You're listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. I'm Garrett Ashley Mullet, and I want to talk about everything. Welcome back to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. This is, of course, Garrett Ashley Mullet coming to you from Greeley, Colorado for episode 370 of this podcast. Today is April 15th, 2022. That is to say also, today is Good Friday. This is a Christian holiday, in case you're wondering. In case you are unfamiliar or uninitiated, it's a Christian holiday which marks the crucifixion of Jesus. Now, for those of you who are not Christians, you may or may not suppose that Jesus was a real person who really existed. But I would caution you on that point. I would ask you this. Is there as much evidence that you exist as there is that Jesus existed and was a real person? I think the answer has to be no, in a sense. Yes, you could walk right up and you could say, ah, see, look at me, I'm right here, I exist. And where's Jesus? But that's not quite the way it works when we're talking about the grand scheme of things. In 2,000 years, will anyone know that you or I existed? Supposing the world stands, supposing it doesn't get destroyed by human beings driving automobiles, burning fossil fuels, nuking one another into oblivion, supposing the earth stands, and as a Christian, I believe Jesus will return at some point, and this heavens and earth will be destroyed, and God will make a fresh set. And the fresh set will be good. It'll be very good, in fact, like God said in Genesis, after he had made mankind in his image, male and female, he created them. But supposing the world stands, and supposing it stands for another 2,000 years, which I'll admit is hard to imagine, will anyone remember that you or I lived right now, right here? And on the other hand, Will people still remember that Jesus lived? He was a real person. He was a real character in the story of civilization and history. So it seems to me, if you reject that, if you say, I don't think he actually existed, I don't even think he was a real person, that you are making a choice as to what you want to believe there. You are not wanting to believe that he was a real person at all because you see that as a slippery slope into more impactful truths, which would be pesky and difficult for your mode of life and your attitude and your mindset. But I'm going to say that it's established. It's better established than any other historical fact that Jesus lived. He was a man. He was born. He grew up. 
had a ministry. And then he was arrested and tried and flogged and ultimately crucified. Now from there, from that bit of the story, you still have a couple of options. If you suppose, yes, he was a real person and he really existed and he really did get the attention of everyone, both those who believed he was the son of God and also those who saw him as a troublemaker, as potentially an insurrectionist. But we still have a fork in the road there as well. We have a fork in the road just like the folks who were there concurrent with his public ministry had a fork in the road. Who do you say that I am? If we say that he is the Christ, the Son of God, then it also must follow that Good Friday is good because of what his crucifixion means for us. It wasn't good news for him except insofar as his obeying the Father's will was always good news for him. But you have to look at the big picture, whether you're Jesus or you're us, in order to see the goodness of Good Friday. If you only focus on the pain, the suffering, the shame, the ridicule, the injustice of an innocent man being put on trial and executed, if you only focus on that, well, it's not a Good Friday at all. It's a bad Friday. Why do you call it Good Friday? It's not good. Killing an innocent man, that's not good. How can that ever be good? As a Christian, it's good because our sins separated us and put us in a state of enmity with a holy and righteous God. And the penalty for our sins was going to be our death, the death of our whole person, not just a physical death, but a death, mental, emotional, spiritual, in all ways, we were going to die and be separated from our creator, except that Christ's atoning sacrifice paid the penalty for our sins. That's why it's Good Friday. But that's not all. There's not just a paying for sins with Jesus being crucified. There's also a victory over death itself. Sin brought death into the world and Christ's death, burial, and resurrection proves that God is sovereign even over death. He's not just sovereign over life, he's sovereign over death as well. You think resurrecting someone dead is harder for God than speaking, let there be, and creating ex nihilo, out of nothing, everything that exists? How could that be harder for God? The same God who is able to create everything from nothing is the same God who is able to raise Jesus from the dead. Now, if Christ is not risen, then we are lying about God because we're saying he did raise Christ from the dead. Moreover, if Christ is not risen, then we are, as the Apostle Paul writes in the New Testament, most to be pitied, above all men to be pitied, most. Because that is our hope. That is our 
relief. That is the offset. Now, imagine with me, if you will, someone came to you and they said, you have such and such a job and you make this much money. It's minimum wage, let's say. I have a proposition for you. Quit the job you're at right now and take this one instead. And this one instead will see you as a millionaire within five to 10 years. If you spend wisely and all that. But it'll be not hard for you to become a millionaire in five to 10 years. If you're living within your means and not buying things on credit that depreciate that you'll never get the money out of again. Now, the question is, is it for real? Is it legit? If you do quit your minimum wage job, you think to yourself, and this does not work out, and this is not actually a thing. I'm being misled. I'm misunderstanding. My eyes deceive me. If it is not actually a thing and you quit your minimum wage job, well then, what are you going to do? How are you going to pay the rent? How are you going to buy groceries? How are you going to pay the utilities? How are you going to keep the lights on? Put clothes on your back. Put food in your stomach. If you quit your job and you go and take that job, and it is a real thing, however, that temporary state of uncertainty, that slow buildup, even if it takes a week or two before you're going to start, it's worth it. Now you say to yourself, okay, well, I'm going to be off for a couple of weeks before my start date, but I believe that this person is telling me the truth. I think this is a genuine offer. I think I'm looking at the numbers. It's all in black and white. I'm being promised this as a reward if I give up on that. You take a job where you could be a millionaire in five to 10 years. It's well worth two weeks off in the interim. But if it's a hoax, if it's a cruel joke, if it's a prank at your expense, this person just took advantage of you for some reason, well then, you are to be pitied. That's very sad. That's horrible. That's awful. That's no good. That's not good. That's bad. And you're dumb. But that's just the thing of it. That's just where we find ourselves with the good news of Christ, with the good news of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. If the gift of salvation has indeed been offered to us and we are putting the old man of sin in ourselves to death continually, following our Savior, picking up our cross and following after him, and we do have eternal life promised to us, as a result, well then, don't fear a man who can only kill the body and then has nothing more he can do to you. Why do you worry about tomorrow, what you will eat or what you will wear? You know, it's a funny thing. I did a search just for anyhow, just a random thought. Good Friday. That's all I typed in. I didn't type in any more than that. Just Good Friday. Good Friday. 
into Google. And of course, Google tells me it's a holiday. Thank you. That's good. It also tells me that Good Friday is Friday, April 15th, 2022 this year. Oh, okay. That makes sense. That is today's date. Okay, cool. Thank you. Thank you, Google. But down below in the next little widget, people also ask, what is Good Friday celebrated for? What is the meaning of Good Friday in the Bible? What is the real meaning of Good Friday? And what should you not do on Good Friday? <laughs> which, is, which is funny. I don't know why that is funny to me, but I wonder how many other holidays have that question asked commonly. What should you not do on Halloween? Uh, no, it doesn't have quite the same ring to it. What should you not do on Labor Day? Uh, maybe someone. Probably not. But it gets weird from here. I mean, that's just kind of quirky, but it gets weird. Top stories. News about Good Friday. Very first in the list of articles. This one highlighted from three hours ago. The New York Times has a piece. Opinion. What Good Friday and Easter say about black suffering? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness gracious me. You just had to. You just had to make this about race. Just had to. Just couldn't help it. There's another one from America Magazine. I've never heard of America Magazine, but okay. 21 hours ago. <laughs> the Gospel of John has been used to justify anti-Semitism, so we should stop reading it on Good Friday. Now, I don't know if this is for reals. I don't know if this is a joke. I just, I don't know. It could be sarcastic, the title of it. Uh, I really don't, I really don't know. But if anybody is genuinely saying those kinds of things, that we should stop reading the Gospel of John because it's been used to justify anti-Semitism, uh, I just, I don't know where to start with you. Uh, that's weird. Jesus Jesus was a Jew. He had Jesus and all of his apostles the 12 disciples were all Jews. So, um, good luck. Good luck with uh, making that one stick. Also in the news, Pope's Russia-Ukraine Good Friday plan draws Kiev's ire. Donald Trump and a Good Friday warning against far-right Christian nationalism from NBC News. Can I have a bowl of cereal even without the mainstream media telling me that I'm a racist? Is that possible? Probably not. Pro probably. The answer is no. Next thing is going to be you buy yourself a box of Lucky Charms and instead of magically delicious, they'll say it's... <laughs> Subtly racist. Leprechauns. Oh, do you know what the leprechaun is? It's a microaggression against Irish people. 
enjoy your bowl of oppression and racism. Hopefully not. They are magically delicious, though. Just saying. Times of India, nine hours ago, has a very standard headline. Good Friday, 2022. Wishes, messages, quotes, images, Facebook and WhatsApp status. Yeah, just maybe the news uh, instead of commentary on how Donald Trump is evil and a bad orange man and white Christians in America should feel awful always, even on Good Friday. You know, it's almost like you could you could write the headline. <laughs> it's Good Friday in America, except for you white nationalists. Except for you reprobate, war on women, homophobic, xenophobic. It's not Good Friday for you. You get no soup. No soup for you. No salvation for you either. Go straight to hell. Do not, Pasco, do not collect $200. iNews has a headline. Good Friday. Why Good Friday is called Good Friday and the meaning behind the date. 19 hours ago as well. And then USA Today also has... A piece from yesterday. What's open on Good Friday and Easter? Holiday hours, mail service, to know. I've talked before about how when my wife and I were first married, I got into a bit of a hubbub with the pastor of the church that she had grown up in and that we had met at and that we had married in and that I had been attending for four years, maybe something like that. At that point, I called into question his qualification for being an overseer, according to the scriptures, according to what Paul writes to Timothy and Titus. And we stopped attending there. And then I found out that the pastor was going around to people showing them the letter I had written him, where I was just trying to be honest and just, you know, I, I even opened it with an apology. Like, hey, I'm sorry. There have been conversations about your fitness to lead behind the scenes, and I've participated in those conversations, and I should have come to you first. I should have talked with you and brought my concerns up directly to you instead of talking about you to these other people. I apologize. Now that's it. <laughs> that out of the way. I do have some genuine concerns, and I genuinely question, how do you meet this, 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 and this qualification for overseers? It would seem that you have disqualified yourself or you weren't ever qualified. And so how do you justify being an overseer? If the church belongs to Christ, if it belongs belongs to God in Christ Jesus, then how are we coming up with our own independent set of qualifications and ignoring God's list of qualifications. That's not the right way to start off. That's not right the right way to get on. But we stopped attending that church. And for that matter, with the response from family, friends, the pastor, people that we used to know there when we used to go there, 
I, as a 20-year-old man with a wife and kids, felt very, very disillusioned. And I did not want to ever put myself in a position again where that kind of thing would happen. It kind of wrecked me a little bit because, I don't know. I don't know what I was expecting. I don't, I don't you know, in hindsight, it's like, Garrett, you know, that's kind of how it was going to go. That, that's why people don't do things like that, sweetie. <laughs> oh, poor, sweet, stupid Garrett. <laughs> but we didn't go to church for a few years after that. We just flat didn't go. I mean, we tried a little bit, just a just an ever so little amount of visiting. There was a Christian and Missionary Alliance church in Dayton, one of the suburbs of Dayton, Ohio, that we visited for a little while in college. Lauren and I both volunteered with the youth ministry there. And we thought about going back there, and I think we even did visit a time or two, and there was just something that was off. There was something that smelled wrong. And part of it might have been there was this older guy, and I say older, but middle-aged, you know, late middle-aged, who had been somehow in the mix as far as the youth ministry that we were volunteering with. And boy, howdy, he really liked to talk with Lauren. Married guy, middle-aged, and I'm talking about in college, before Lauren and I got married, but we were definitely engaged. And he really liked to talk with Lauren. He would try and seek her out and talk with her. She wasn't seeking him out, but she's, you know, we're there, right? And so he's just coming over and making small talk and conversation. And some weird thing happened. I just am only now remembering and I'm probably misremembering some of the details, so I'll be sparse on them. But something happened to the effect that he ended up telling Lauren that his wife didn't like him talking with her, but he was just going to talk with her anyway. And, you know, and I'm just, and I, as first fiance and then newly minted husband, I'm just like, oh, no, 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 nope, red alert, <laughs> danger, Will Robinson, no, I might have even talked with a guy, I think I did, I think I talked with him, I'm just like, hey, listen, like, if your wife is not comfortable, I am really not comfortable with you saying you're going to talk with my first fiance now wife anyways like there's just there's a whole lot about this that just is not not okay but there's things like that that will come up sometimes when you're visiting churches when you're just you're hey let's check let's check it out you know we did a search for churches in our area and we looked up their websites and we looked up their statement of faith and we looked up their staff pictures and like, oh, they look like creepers. They look weird. Does this look like the kind of church we might want to visit? And 
when you're visiting churches, I mean, there's just a whole gamut. There's a whole spectrum of weird, uncomfortable things that you can encounter. And of course, all eyes are on you. Like, who, who are you? Hey, we want to get to know you. Or what are you doing here? Right? <laughs> Some churches are that way where they're just cold and unwelcoming. Uh, perish the thought, but, but some are. Perish the thought that somebody would give you the stink eye like, you're in my seat. That's where I sit. But some people, I'm telling you. So we just, we did not go to church for some time. And it was a few years. And of course I, I felt awful about it. It was just not right. And yet I was afraid. Uh, I, 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 there's nothing else for it but for me to say. I, I was afraid. I was afraid of being hurt again. I was afraid of seeing things that I knew from being raised on the scriptures. I knew I was going to object to and then uh, possibly just have the same thing happening over and over again about. You know, it, it does something to your conception of church when you find out that the pastor of the church that you met your wife in, that she grew up in, told other people in the church that you are, and I quote, a pain in the ass. And when you know the context, when you know that the reason he said you were a pain in the ass is because you asked about the silver cross that sat at the front of the sanctuary saying, in memory of so-and-so, Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so who passed away or used to attend there or left some money to the church or whatever. Their kids gave a generous donation to the church. You ask the question of, why does this say in memory of them instead of in memory of our Savior? You ask Pesky questions like that. Or you ask pesky questions like, say, you know, I was thinking the other day, how are you qualified to be? <laughs> Which, I mean, admittedly, if a pastor was going to say that a young man is a pain in the ass for anything, I mean, that question's got to be on the list of things that might inspire such a response. And he was right. I, I am. He's, he was right. Uh, I'm, I'm not trying to be, but sometimes, uh, so, sometimes the good Lord uses uh, pains in the ass to accomplish his purposes. And I, I certainly don't want to be only that or all that, but all scripture is breathed out by God and suitable, profitable for correction, rebuke, Instruction under righteousness, teaching, well, correction and rebuke. I mean, when when we're talking about my three-year-old going on four, who I told five minutes ago to go in the bathroom, shut the door, and put on a clean pull-up, and I walk in and I find him with the door open, him naked as a jaybird, in no particular hurry and feeling no shame, uh, playing with things on the bathroom countertop and a clean pull-up just 
hanging out there on the floor. You know what? Sometimes, sometimes a SWAT on the bottom is a pain in the ass, quite literally. And sometimes that's what we need. I'm sorry. But again, that's not all we need. Whether we're talking about my three-year-old going on four, or we're talking about middle-aged divorcee pastors who remind you of used car salesmen. But again, we didn't go to church. We did not. We just stopped. We just stopped going. And I told Lauren at the time, I said, I just, I, I can't do it. I don't, I, I don't want to go and be hurt again. I don't, you know, it's like those three monkeys from the fable, from mythology. You got the three monkeys, the one that covers his eyes and one that covers his ears and one that covers his mouth. See no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. That was my intention. If I don't see it, then I don't have to comment on it. If I don't comment on it, then I don't have to be the bad guy. So I just don't want, I don't want to engage. I don't want to be there. And actually, you know, here's the funny thing. I know, I know, I know, I know what you're going to think when I say what I'm going to say just now. I know there's several things that are going to come out of the woodworks. Even if you don't speak them out loud, you're going to be saying them quietly in your head. Mark Driscoll got us back to church. Mark Driscoll. Specifically, Mark Driscoll preaching a Good Friday sermon and it being live streamed and me picking up the link on Facebook from, I think, Tim Crafton our old youth pastor. I was working from home at the time, actually. And I'm working from home, and I watched this Good Friday service at Mars Hill Church in Seattle, Washington. And I wept. And that is not proof that it was all above board and good. And, oh, you had an emotion? Really? Well, well, that proves it's good. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. But emotion should accompany right thought. It is proper to have emotions. That is part of what it means when we love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength. Shortest verse in the whole Bible, Jesus wept. Jesus cried. It's okay to cry sometimes. Now, don't try to make yourself cry. Don't don't keep a lemon in your pocket and squeeze it for good luck when you're trying to gin up some tears. Don't do that. That's, no. But there's, on the other hand, nothing to be ashamed of. Watching a Good Friday service and being overwhelmed by the goodness of God and the generous gift that was given when Christ went to the cross for our sake, for our salvation. There's no shame whatsoever in being overcome by that and weeping. And so I did. I did, and I was overwhelmed. 
And I'm listening to the sermon, and I don't remember the particulars at this point. I could probably go back and find the sermon and watch and listen to it again, supposing Mark Driscoll and Mars Hill haven't been canceled so hard that everything online connected to them has been thrown down the memory hole. But I do remember Mark Driscoll really encouraging and challenging both and young men in particular in the sermons that I watched and listened to over the next several months of working from home. Challenging young men, especially fathers, husbands, leaders of their homes, that we need to get our families in churches. We need to be leading our family. And we are leading our families one way or another, whether we're leading them passively or we're leading them actively, whether we're leading them with an iron fist or we're leading them in a limp-wristed sort of a way. And so what we need is we need to look to God for direction on how to lead well. And what we need as well is to obey God when he says to not neglect the assembling of yourselves together as some do. As often as you can be in fellowship in a local church, being committed to loving one another, building one another up, serving one another, encouraging one another in the local body, building up Christ's church, loving God by obeying him in the context of a local church, you need to be. And so we started going again, and we went to Good News Gathering in Hillsborough, Ohio. Every Sunday we drove from Jamestown, Ohio to Hillsborough, Ohio until we moved back to Hillsborough. The house on North High Street became vacant. and We moved in and cleaned everything up and settled down for a few years there. And of course, it was not a perfect situation. If we were back in Hillsborough again, but for a strong conviction from the Lord, I would not attend a Good News Gathering again. I think theologically, doctrinally, from a church polity governance standpoint, uh, I would not be bringing my family there anymore. Not that I think that all of those differences mean they're not Christians necessarily. Uh, I say necessarily, but I hope you catch my meaning. But I think those differences from a practical standpoint just would not make it a good fit. It, wouldn't, it just wouldn't work together. There wouldn't be a alignment that would be ideal. And thankfully, I don't, I don't see us ever moving back to Hillsborough, Ohio. I really don't. Maybe, but I'd... Not seeing it. But it was good, even if it was an imperfect church. Is there another kind? Is there a different kind? No, there isn't. Not this side of the eschaton. Not this side of Christ returning. There isn't. And that doesn't mean that we just roll our eyes and we say, ah, okay, shall we sin that grace might abound all the more? The answer is no, we shouldn't, we can't, we don't. 
Not yes, sure. Not a shrug, but a shaking of the head. And it was good that we went and attended. And then we got engaged with working, with being involved in the lives of the people we were worshiping beside. Getting involved in small group. They called them life groups. Very clever marketing there. It's not a small group, it's a life group. You're going to do life together. Okay, well, good. It's a small group. Call it what you will. We got involved in ministries, helping with kids, helping with middle school, helping with nursery. I think I think Lauren might have helped with that a little bit. I helped with the multimedia ministry there, building slideshows, running the slideshows for music and for the sermons and for announcements. I did that for a few years. And then we moved. The Lord moved us, rather. Good Friday is not good because we're good. Good Friday is good because God is good. Good Friday is not good because of our merit, but because despite our sins, our being dead in our trespasses, Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That's good news. As a final closing thought before we're completely out of time for this episode, an article was sent me this morning at Protestia from three days ago. Protestia, if you don't know, is one of several outlets started by Montana pastor Jordan, a.k.a. J.D. Hall, a.k.a. Gideon Knox, a.k.a. the Pope of Polemics, or I should say the former, now retired Pope of Polemics. And I'll throw a link in to this article at Protestia in which he, I think, apologizes. I I think he's apologizing. Pretty sure he's apologizing. Maybe he's trying to apologize. But boy, how do you think it's really so hard. I'm sorry that I was so right and so important and so necessary. And I just, I can't. Can't do it anymore. I gotta just walk away as I just can't handle how important I am. I just can't contain all this awesome. There's lots of humble bragging. There's lots of playing the victim here. Lots of woe is me mixed in. And I will pray for you, Jordan Hall. I will. I genuinely will. I wish you no ill. I happen to believe that our God is big enough and great enough that there is grace even for you. Jesus tells the story of two men who were praying in the temple. One of them, eyes to heaven, thank God that I am not like this sinner over here. Thank you, Lord, that I am not like this sinner over here. And the other couldn't even look up, eyes on the ground, beating his breast. God have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus asks, which one of those two goes away justified? And the right answer is the second man. So, Jordan, 
I'll pray for you. And I mean that. You have hurt a lot of people and you have sprayed and prayed. There's been a lot of friendly fire and indiscriminate shelling. You know what happens in a war when the guy commanding the artillery division refuses to listen when he's told that those are friendly positions he's shelling? If there's justice, he's relieved from command. You don't indiscriminately fire just because, hey, it's a battle. Hey, it's a war out there. Yeah, we know it's a war. That's why it's really important that you not shoot your own team. Now, I say that. He is right in some things, which is the really, really dangerous part. He's right in so many things. I've said this for years. I have said this from the beginning. We agree on so many particulars And that is precisely why it is so critically important that we not be mixing in glass, broken ground up glass with the oatmeal and then abusively telling people they're ungrateful, maybe not even a part of the family if they refuse to eat it. No, 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 no. This is not a test of their decency when you put the ground up glass in the oatmeal. Let's be clear about that. There's something broken in your way of relating and you need to own that and you need to repent of it and not glory in your shame and not play the victim, not play the martyr when you are the one being called to account. You're the one being rebuked. It is good and right that this pastor, as he tells about in the article in the resignation letter as the as the matter stands in my mind somewhat fuzzy and hard to determine what to make of the title of it is filling sandbags and digging moats why I'm quitting polemics but maybe but maybe not but maybe not totally every now and then I might throw a jab in there just for old time's sake he's going to grow his hair out he's going to be a long haired Montana pastor gray and grizzled and Leave it to younger men. Riding off into the sunset on his horse. I think it's very important that you have conversations like the other pastor who told him at the funeral where he had just prayed a prayer. Funeral of somebody who Jordan says he led to the Lord. Baptized. You ripped me apart in a blog several years ago. Jordan says he was confronted with that. He didn't even remember who the guy was. He didn't even know. I I did? I ripped you apart? Yeah, you did, publicly, for everyone to hear and see. Because of this trivial little difference that you wanted to criticize. So Jordan tells us all, he says... He told the guy, well, I'm sorry about that. And here was the response from the pastor, just very even keeled. For what? Be specific. I want to know that you're not just throwing that out as a pat answer. I'm sorry. What are you sorry for? Do you understand what you did? Do you actually care or are you just trying to find the exit here? The off-ramp looks like 
an obligatory apology that you, you really don't mean and you don't understand. Do you understand? I need to hear that you understand what it is that you did, how you hurt me. And there's all kinds of soul searching that goes on in this article, but the long and short of it is if you can do this, Jordan, if you can make it stick, if you can really grapple with the problem of friendly fire and you going into a kind of berserker rage, just flailing about and anybody and everybody who doesn't completely 100% agree with you on all of the primary issues as you see them, which seems to be all issues actually. And that's what I told you when we stopped attending your church years ago. I told you at the time, I was very upfront and honest with you. I'm not convinced that you know a secondary issue. I'm not convinced that you know what a secondary issue is. Everything's a primary issue. And that's not biblical. That's that's not a godly way of relating. You know, when Paul and Barnabas have their disagreement over John Mark, they go their separate ways. It is a genuine disagreement over John Mark. And what we don't find is we don't find Paul tearing Barnabas a new one for all the ages to read, questioning whether Barnabas is even a Christian, whether he's even saved, whether he belongs to Satan, actually, because they had this genuine disagreement. Even in the case of Peter, Peter is trying to flatter and placate and appease the Judaizers at Antioch. Paul confronts him to his face, but there's a a special quality to Paul's confrontation of Peter in that we don't read a whole lot of abuse. We do read clarity, and it's concise. And as soon as the objective has been reached, that's it. It's done. He brings it up to the Galatians because it's an important way of making clear the warning he's giving to them. But that is the tone. That is the tenor. That is the mindset that we have as an example that we have to follow. We, it's not optional. And you can't say, woe is me. Oh, I was just being too awesome. I'm sorry. I apologize. I apologize. I got a little carried away in being so important and awesome. I'll just go retire now. No, 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 no. I hope you really, really do some soul searching because you did. You you tore a lot of people to shreds. And I think it, it I think it is a great idea that you would commit the rest of your life to building up. Particularly if part of how you build up is by being reconciled to your brothers. I think a really great way for you to start with the building up of the church would be to go back and offer genuine, heartfelt, personal apologies to people who followed you uncritically into bad examples where you did set bad examples. And it's not all or nothing. That's the trouble with how you paint people you disagree with is that same all or nothing approach to them where they're either 100% in agreement or else nothing, worthless. 
worms, maggots. It's not that with you either. But just because you can testify to having done some good, you only did good. And surely you know that. Surely you know that. But here's my lesson for all of you. Good Friday is not good because Mark Driscoll is good. Good Friday is not good because J.D. Hall is good, <laughs> a.k.a. Jordan Hall, a.k.a. Gideon Knox, a.k.a. Protestia, Pulpit and Pen, etc., etc. It's not good because that pastor that I confronted when I was 20 is good. It's not good because that middle-aged guy who maybe was taking an inappropriate interest in my fiance than wife is good. It's not good because I'm good or because you're good. Good Friday is not good because we have all of our ducks in a row because we only are ever correct in our attitudes, our ways of relating. No, we are tempted and sometimes sin. We read at one point, no temptation has seized you, but that which is common to man. But God is faithful. We also read Paul saying, The good that I would do, I don't do. And that which I would not do, that is the very thing that I do. Wretched man that I am. And yet he also says, One thing I do, forgetting what's behind, I press on. How is it that we press on? Well, we press on by... Putting our faith not in our own goodness, not in our own capacity to be good, not in one another's capacity to be good. We press on by putting our faith in God's capacity to be good, his infinite goodness. What his word says about what he has done, is doing, and will do. Who he is, not who we are. And only then, only when our faith is put in his goodness, are we able to be as good as he calls us to be, as he enables us to be, by his grace, we are able to be free. Good Friday is good because God is good. But that is all the time I have for this episode. I'm working today and this weekend. Hopefully it's a quiet weekend. I am sad to not go to the Good Friday service tonight or the Easter service Sunday morning. I'll be working, but he is risen. Before he was risen, he was crucified, and he died, and he was buried. And even that was good, good for us. As always, thank you for listening. Until next time, God bless. You've been listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. For more content like what you just heard, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Also check out thegarrettashleymulletshow.com to subscribe to email alerts when new episodes are published. As always, you can reach me with any comments, questions, complaints, objections, or insights at garrettashleymullet at protonmail.com. Thank you.